Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job, and you can find out more by visiting the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. You can find out more by visiting lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Kristen Corey is the founder and producing artistic director of Gulf Shore Playhouse. She'll be joining us. A lot of good news on that front. Jarrett DeTurley, who is an R Street Institute opinion contributor. We talk about the problem, problems with booze and tariff wars. And Renee Ralph, uh, she is such an interesting person. Uh, she is, uh, was down at the uh, Women for America First rally, and we'll be talking to her about her experience at the rally in Washington, D.C. It is January the 8th, and on this day in 1835, President Andrew Jackson achieved his goal of entirely paying off the United States' national debt. Let me repeat that, paying off the debt. It was the only time in U.S. history where the national debt stood at zero, and it precipitated one of the worst financial crises in American history. The elimination of the national debt was both a personal issue for Jackson and a culmination of a political project as old as the nation itself, since the time of the Revolution, American politicians had argued over the wisdom of the nas- uh, national debt. After independence, the federal government agreed to take on individual state war debts as part of the unification of the former colonies. Federalists, those who favored a stronger central government, established a national bank and argued that the debt could be a useful way of fueling the nation's uh, new economy. Their opponents, most notably Thomas Jefferson, felt that Policies favored Northeastern elites at the expense of rural Americans and saw the debt as a source of national shame. Jackson, of course, a populist whose Democrat Party grew out of the Jefferson Democrat-Republican Party, had a personal aversion to debt stemming from a land deal that had gone sour for him as his land speculator. Campaigning for re-election in 1832, Jackson vetoed the recharter of the National Bank and called the debt a moral failing and black magic Jackson vetoed a number of spending bills throughout his tenure, putting an end to projects that will expanded nation- nationwide infrastructure. He further paid down the debt by selling off of government land in the West and was able to settle the debt entirely by 1835. His triumph contained the seeds of the economy's undoing. The selling off of federal lands led to a real estate bubble, and the destruction of the National Bank led to reckless spending and borrowing, combined with other 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 elements of uh, Jackson's fiscal policy, as well as downturns in foreign economies, those problems led to the Panic of 1837, and a bank run and subsequent depression tanked the U.S. economy and forced the federal government to begin borrowing again. Of course, the U.S. debt has uh, been with us ever since. It skyrocketed during the Civil War, was nearly paid off in the early 20th century, only to balloon again with uh, World War I. Numerous presidents and politicians decried the debt and even pledged to do away with it, with conservatives and libertarians frequently echoing Jackson. Nevertheless, with a debt now surprising, surpassing $27 trillion unthinkable, it's unlikely the events of 1835 will be repeated in the foreseeable future. 
Interesting. Jackson was such an interesting carrier, carrier somewhat like uh, Trump as a, as a real uh, populist. Interesting. 1835 paid off the debt. Well, the uh, uh, Florida Department of Health reported 205 new cases of COVID-19 and four additional deaths in Cuyahoga County on Thursday. There was a 96-year-old woman who, (laughs) 96, died of COVID. Can you believe it? 79-year-old man, 77-year-old woman, or 86-year-old man uh, dying uh, with COVID, I guess is what the the term that they're using. Unbelievable. Uh, my, My personal opinion, they didn't die of COVID. They died... In some strange way, with it, anyhow. Collier's moving seven-day average is now at 167 through Wednesday. That means the the number of cases on average over the last seven days at 167. The high was at 221 back in July. The low was at 34, I believe, at one point. Uh, At approximately 2 p.m. on Thursday, there were 90 folks in the uh, Collier County hospitals, just 90. So uh, there's plenty of room in the hospitals. And again, we're not overwhelming the hospital system. Kind of interesting to see the number of cases going up, but not the number of people hospitalized. I think that's good news. Hope that trend continues. Well, appointments are available next week for seniors 65 and old to receive COVID vaccinations in Collier County. The vaccine is available for healthcare personnel with direct patient contact, and they'll be asked to provide identification also, online appointments are required and can be made starting at 9 a.m. Friday through Eventbrite by visiting Collier County COVID Vaccines, Collier County COVID Vaccines.eventbrite.com. So if you're in a hurry to get the vaccine, that's the way to do it. Collier County COVID Vaccines.eventbrite.com. Well, nearly 50% of U.S. voters believe public health officials have offered misleading information on the coronavirus pandemic over the last year. Now, uh, that's according to Scott Rasmussen in his polls. So if, if you're feeling that way, uh, you're not alone. 48% of respondents said the public health leaders have misrepresented the data on coronavirus since the pandemic began in early 2020. Just 34% said health officials have reported the true facts. <laughs> the uh, the remaining folks having a clue what's going on, I guess. Anyhow, but there's a if you're if you're believing there has the numbers seem strange, you're not alone. Okaya County business owner returning from Washington D.C.'s, uh, uh, I guess we'll call it a, a uh, gathering, uh, ending up in a riot, said protesters were supporting liberty and freedom and blamed left wing activists for the siege of the U.S. Capitol. The trip was amazing. This, according to Alfie Oaks, stated in an email Thursday, I've never been surrounded by so many great Americans. Oaks, owner of Seated Table, is an outspoken supporter of President Trump, and he fought Kyrie County's mask uh, order since July. Uh, interesting guy. If you haven't been to Seated Table, you ought to take a trip up there. It's really a good place to visit. Dozens of individuals have charged, been charged with crimes stemming from the deadly U.S. Capitol breach, the Justice Department said Thursday. Michael Sherwin, the asking U.S. attorney for Washington, D.C., said that 35 people, including one carrying a rifle and Molotov cocktails, have been charged in connection with the incident incident on Wednesday. Charges for insurrection and sedition are on the table, he said at a press conference. We're not going to keep any of our arsenal of potential charges, anything out, he said. We'll bring the most maximum charges we can based on the conduct. The charges of 55 individuals is a good start, but in no regard is at the end. So there's other folks that could be charged. 
Protesters broke windows, overwhelmed the U.S. Capitol. Uh, police officers to get into the Capitol building were once inside the damaged property and roamed inside lawmakers' offices and chambers. So uh, I'm pleased to hear that this is the case and the, and the position that he's taking. I don't care if they're Republicans or Democrats. If they had, uh, if they broke things, if they broke windows, if they damaged property, uh, if they were places where they shouldn't be, well, they should be charged and they should face, or that you know, that's what we should do in all cases. By the way, I, police uh, chief Stevenson from the Capitol Police. Stephen Sund announced his resignation Thursday, as day after the protesters breached the Capitol. So uh, he's going to be retiring on, I guess, July, June, January the 16th. Uh, so interesting they would resign at this time. Also, Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser told federal law enforcement to stand down just one day before a mob of Trump supporters breached the U.S. Capitol on Wednesday, smashing windows, entering the chambers. According to Bowser, uh, the Metropolitan Police Department, in coordination with the U.S. Park Police, Capitol Police, and Secret Service, were well-equipped to handle whatever problems could come up during the Trump rallies planned for Wednesday. Bowser also explained that the presence of unidentifiable federal law enforcement agents in D.C. could cause confusion. Well, just in my estimation, uh, they obviously were not well-prepared for what happened, number one. But number two, I wonder... Uh, what her orders were to the the uh, Capitol Police or to the Washington D.C. Police, uh, whether they should stand down and, and uh, in some way perhaps encourage this behavior of being on the steps of the Capitol. That should have never been permitted. That is <laughs> that is just absolutely wrong. In a video released uh, Thursday night, President Donald Trump told all avenues of his election challenge have been exhausted, and he will commit to a smooth, orderly and seamless transition of power. He condemned the heinous attack on the U.S. Capitol by some of his supporters following a rally with the previous day in which he said he'll, uh, he'd continue the fight. My campaign vigorously pursued every legal avenue to contest the election results, Trump said in a tape message. My only goal was to ensure the integrity of the vote. In so doing, I was fighting to defend American democracy, he said. By the way, if you haven't seen that, I strongly encourage you. It's two minutes and, I think, 20 seconds, something like that. A very important message from the president. It's not widely distributed right now, but I hope you'll find it. Google it, find it, and uh, or use DuckDuckGo, as I do, and uh, find the president's message, tape message from yesterday. It's, it's pretty inspiring and pretty important in that he's encouraging everybody to uh, pursue peace and let's work together to make America great again. By the way, the Rasmussen poll, uh, tracking poll, the presidential poll, said on Thursday that his approval rating's at 49%. And everything that's going on right now, I think that's pretty darn impressive. By the way, if you notice that some riots are good and some are bad, according to the mainstream media, it's just amazing to see the difference of tone between buildings burned down in Minnesota and uh, <laughs> the fires and destruction of property, billions of dollars of property and how that was being described versus what's happened yesterday. I'm not approving, in any way approving, of what happened. Believe me, I'm not. But irrespective, uh, the, the tone of the mainstream media is totally different and, and unacceptable. We need to get, in some way, the fourth estate has to be held accountable for their attitude of constantly placing their opinion above uh, factual evidence in the news. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. 
Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. Lifeinnaples.net is the website. Coming up, William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And in fact, uh, Kristen Corey is producing artistic director and founder of Gulf Shore Playhouse. She's going to be our guest on the next segment. The, uh, segment. the website is gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Uh, uh, we're going to be visiting with Kristen Corey. Right now we have with us William Yateman, a research fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. Tell us about the Cato Institute. You bet. Uh, we're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government. Cato.org is the website. So, William, in Washington, D.C., we had uh, uh, the event on the 6th. Uh, starting off with the rally, the president's, uh, President Trump's rally in front of the uh, Capitol and uh, in, the, in the ellipse, I guess this was. And then uh, we also had uh, the Electoral College, the uh, rec recognition of the electoral votes for the president. 
Uh, let's just I'll ask an open question. What are your thoughts about all that? Well, I, mean, I, I don't think I'm alone in, in saying that was a, it was a sad day for America yeah. um, with respect to sort of what took place between Trump's rally and uh, the Senate ultimately certifying the election results. Yeah. Um, I, I saw more buffoonery than I did in insurrection. I mean, I do think a lot of the terms being bandied about now in, in the media are inept. But um, at the end of the day, four people died mm-hmm. and those images... Uh, they're going to be there forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not a that doesn't reflect well on our country. So I um, wasn't. Uh, I'm always proud to be an American, but that wasn't our best day. Um, so I I do regret that. Um, and uh, I, I'm not quite sure where we go from here. To be perfectly honest with you, yeah. Um, the the politics are, are pretty fraught right now. Yeah, um, absolutely. I'll call people. There's a want to impeach the president. <laughs> Use the Twenty Fifth Amendment. I mean, the the rhetoric is just insane right now. So the president gave, I thought, a pretty important message yesterday. Uh, about two minutes. It was a tape message, and I just encourage our listeners to listen to the. It's a, a attempted healing. Let's uh, let's move on. He's accepted the results, and uh, but I, I yeah, people should hear it personally, quite frankly. So I, it's not widely distributed. But I, let's move to the. Uh, and I agree with you. It's it's a sad day actually, and uh, I'm I'm. Uh, I'm I'm very sad about the entire experience, but the, along with that, there's also the recognition of the electoral votes in that process. What what were your thoughts on that? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, and, and I don't want to um, step in a political minefield. Mm-hmm. Um, we the fact is, and and I do think our president unfortunately waved the the, the fan of these flames um, to an unfortunate extent, but. Mm-hmm. Tens of millions, perhaps scores of millions of Americans um, don't have faith in the 2020 election. Right. And, you know, the, the fact is we did rely on this due to COVID, the, these mail voting, mail-in voting procedures um, to a much greater extent than ever before. I mean, I'm not uh, impugning that, but I am saying this was an unprecedented election, mm-hmm. an objective fact that's true. Um, and and is it also an objective fact that's true. We've got just as many, many Americans um, who... who do believe it was rigged. And I'm, I'm not condoning that. I'm not endorsing it. But I am saying it's a fact and it's deleterious to our body politic. Absolutely. I um, mean, this is a roundabout way of saying that the sort of measures that the Senators Halley and, and Cruz, they were talking about, you know, an investigation, sort of a, something to, uh, to assuage these doubts that, that are shared by many Americans. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm amenable to those. It's a similar idea that was proposed by Professor Jonathan Turley, mm-hmm. um, a law professor at George Washington University uh, in the USA Today a couple days ago, calling for a federal commission in the 2020 election. Not necessarily because I believe there's improprieties, but because so many Americans do, and that's mm-hmm. just so unhealthy. We, I think we do need some sort of final word on this. All that being said, I don't think the, the Senate, the, the Congress's certification of these electoral results uh, pursuant to the Electoral College Act, and that's all this stuff that took place on January 6th. I don't think it was the right place and time for it. And I think the proof is ultimately in the pudding. Yeah. Um, uh, I think just the, the, the fires of, of, of the way, the, where our political debate was on January 6th was just not the time to interject that. Um, into the national discourse. So yeah. uh, I kind of regret the way they went about it, even if I am somewhat sympathetic to the end. Um, so th- that's my take on the day. It was 
this was a largely ceremonial role for Congress, and I just don't think it was the time and place um, for pursuing what I do think are viable issues or, or questions that ought to be answered. Yeah. Um, and I do think because they pursued this course, and here I'm speaking of, of Senators Howley and Cruz and the like, um, they did add fuels to the fire of what we saw on the 6th, the sort of disgraceful images that were portrayed on TV and, yeah. and the Internet. So full disclosure, I mean, I, 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 I personally believe that there was a systematic and uh, fraud in the election, and I think there's a, a, a lot of uh, proof that that fraud occurred. Uh, I, now, the the uh, Vice President Pence decided to take a ministerial role, literally uh, virtually being a secretary of the process as opposed to, as as the, uh, f- for example, the Supreme Court Justice did during the uh, during the uh, impeachment process. Now, my point is this, that uh, constitutionally, could he have taken a different, in other words, I saw him taking a ministerial role. I think he could have used the Constitution as a way to challenge the results if, in fact, uh, he felt that that was the case. And I think, uh, whether, it was, uh, whether it was advisable or not, was it possible for him to do what Ted Cruz, for example, recommended? And let's uh, take a, do a forensic investigation of these accusations for the next 10 days before we uh, announce the results. It is, uh, uh, whether or not it is constitutional or legal is, is really an open question. Um, you know, in our system, the legality of actions are, are tested after the fact, and, and it, 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 the fact is we've never had this situation yeah. play out. So, so the words of, of the relevant statutes and the Constitution, uh, Constitution's text, um, they have not been fleshed out yet. So, yeah. so we don't know. Um, I would stress, however, and sort of along the lines of what I was talking about, um, just before, and, and regarding your last statement, is it advisable? Um, I, 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 given the uncertainty of the underlying legality of the action, um, I think that would lend even more, militate even more so to, to it being inadvisable. I mean, yeah. in addition to banning the, the flames of, of political outrage, if you will, yeah. um, I, I just don't think, I think the fact that it was of questionable legality that we don't know um, is a reason to not do it. So I, I really appreciate your comment, though, about we we look at these things after the fact through court, court proceedings. Uh, in my estimation, I think the con- Constitution was written in such a way that they uh, th- this is the last chance to challenge the elector, uh, electoral college results. Uh, if in fact there there's fraud going on, or you know systematic methods for which to the voice of the people to to uh, defer or somehow reduce the voice of the people, it should be one man, one vote, one woman, and one vote. And uh, you know I have my doubts. So I agree with you. We need we need to investigate this process and clear out any opportunities for fraud uh, going forward. I, I'll be honest with you, and again, not to step in a political minefield, but given the current state of our country, where scores, uh, tens of millions, potentially scores of millions of voters, Americans, um, believe the election was rigged, then I, I do think such a, a final word w- would have many benefits for, uh, for our country. Absolutely. William, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate this commentary, because uh, they, you know there's a lot of people who are unhappy, they're depressed, uh, they don't feel like their voices have been heard, uh, in my view. President Trump has a following that no other the political elite has just like, totally ignored, and that's the that's the common man, common woman. I mean, it's the people who out there working for a living. And uh, and anyhow, uh, it's going to be interesting politically to see how things evolve after uh, uh, President Biden takes office. 
Uh, William Abin, again, research fellow at the Cato Institute. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Kristen Corey. She's the producing artistic director of Gulf Shore Playhouse. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Offshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. You just heard that terrific commercial about the new Performing Arts Center in downtown uh, Naples, uh, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. The website, again, is gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us the founder and producing artistic director of Gulf Shore Playhouse, Kristen Corey. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, thank you, Chris. Happy New Year to you as well. Uh, Chris and I worked uh, closely together for 15 years uh, in uh, the starting Gulf Shore Playhouse, now a vibrant, fantastic organization. But it's been a tough year, hasn't it, with uh, regard to uh, COVID and all that? Oh, boy. If you would have told me on March 2nd of 2020 when we had an extraordinarily successful gala and the future seemed bright, that two weeks to the day later I'd be laying off three-quarters of my staff, I would have thought you were crazy. Yeah. But indeed, that's exactly what happened, and it was a terribly sad day. 
one of my saddest, I have to admit. Mm-hmm. And um, over this past nine months, we've been um, in a, a really tough situation, as many of the performing arts um, organizations are in this country, because first we were um, just naturally part of the lockdown. You know, the state of Florida, of course, went into a, a, a very strict regimen of, of who was able to operate and under what circumstances. And then when we were able to open again and, and get back to work in middle of March, uh, middle of May, it's been really uh, a tough haul with the uh, National Actors Union mm. that was really focused on, um, in my opinion, too focused on safety to the extreme so that they would just say no. Mm-hmm. They were just saying no and wouldn't allow us to produce. And so I'm happy to say that almost one year later, we are now, as of as of Wednesday, officially back in rehearsal, have approval from the union, and are going to be opening a show on uh, Saturday the 16th. Absolutely. And two of my favorite actors as well. Uh, maybe you could tell us about it. So this is actually really designed with safety in mind because this is a play by A.R. Gurney called Love Letters that actually normally is done usually for fundraisers or special benefits, these kinds of things. Sometimes it's actually done with different actors every week, um, people that are very well known. I saw it years ago in um, San Diego with the two stars of Heart to Heart, if you remember that show from mm. the 80s. And um, so it's, it's usually done as that kind of special uh, event because it's a very minimally produced show. So I thought, well, if Equity is going to say yes to anything, they're going to say yes to this very minimally produced. It's two actors. Sometimes they're at a table together. In this case, I, I wanted to split them up um, and put them, you know, sort of six feet apart. So they're at two separate desks. And um, in fact, they're already married. So separation isn't actually required. But I, was, I wanted to do everything I could possibly do to get to yes with Equity. So this is a show that is a little bit like a reading, but a lot like something that will pull at your heartstrings. It's a story that follows a couple through their history from the time they meet when they're eight years old, well into their fifties and sixties. And, um, it's just, it's delightful. It's heartwarming. It's, it's heart wrenching. It's, it's, uh, it's funny and it's cheerful. So it's got all the great, um, qualities of what a good theater piece does have. And also, uh, the ability to keep everybody safe. We also have, um, safety protocols, we're taking temperatures on the way in, we're at 50% capacity, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So we're, 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 we're doing everything we can do to get people back to work, get people back in the theater, yeah. and also keep people safe. Wow, what a story, Kristen. It's unbelievable. I, I will say this, the two actors that you've hired, they could read the phone book and make it just joyful and funderless <laughs> to, to experience. So to have a great play like that, I can assure you it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful experience. It must be so tough because uh, your business is very much associated with having people together in, in, in a, you know, kind of a crowd in a, in a theater. It's really made it tough, hasn't it? Certainly tough. And people, you know, and it's not only whether or not it's clinically tough, but it's, it's also people's point of view about it. You know, I mean, people are nervous to gather. You know, we've oh. been told by the media over and over again, it's, it's the most, it's the most um, threatening thing you can do. So, uh, I personally think that it, it, in our case, it might be safer than being inside the restaurant because in this, if you go into a restaurant, you take off, everyone's taking off their masks, they're inside a building all yeah. at the same time, and, you know, who knows? In our case, the only people on st- are the ones on stage that are taking off their masks, and in our case, we've been tested three times a week for wow. COVID, so we're pretty sure we're COVID-free um, under those circumstances, and the rest of the audience, like I said, is getting temperature tested, but also keeping their masks on, and um, we haven't had any 
anybody complain about that where, where, you know, people are being very respectful about it. So that you're not in a room of 100 people with their masks off. You're in a room of, uh, with two people have their masks off. And those people had a COVID test as early as this morning, you oh, know. So wow. um, we're hopeful that people will really hear that and trust us. The people that have come to our children's shows, um, who who we've all kept, we've kept them all safe. Not one person has, has reported a, a report that they got anything by coming to see a children's show at Belcher Playhouse. So we're hopeful that we can just take that model and re- and move it over to our professional shows as well. Absolutely. Well, golfshowplayhouse.org is the way to get tickets. Uh, you can get uh, tickets for the show coming up. And well, by the way, there is a virtual show right now that you can watch uh, that's, I think, until the 15th of July, of uh, January. Yeah, I think we're going to extend it to the 30th of January because it's actually um, getting some really great feedback. And um, it, what happened in November was we created a one-man show because we thought the union would say yes to this. Mm-hmm. What's safer than one man alone on, on stage? But at that point, they were still very much in the land of no. And ultimately, though they let us rehearse, they did not let us perform the show live. And so we said, okay, great. We're going to go to the Screen Actors Guild and we're going to get permission to film it. And we turned it into... What I'm happy to say is a really beautiful film. So this is a world premiere play written by our associate artistic director, Jeffrey Binder. And um, we, we were able to put it on film in such a way that I really wanted it to feel like you were in a theater watching the show, but in the best of ways. Mm-hmm. And I think we captured it all. So I hope you check it out because it really is a beautiful, beautiful piece. GolfshorePlayhouse.org is, is the way to go there. You can uh, enjoy it right right in your own home. Now, Chris, before I let you go, I do want to ask you about uh, just great news that you received. Uh, the uh, the, uh, the uh, I forgot what it's called now, but the Naples, uh, it's leading up to the point of uh, the Naples uh, City Council approving the garage, the parking garage that's going to be associated with the brand new Gulf Shore Playhouse that's going to be built in the middle of Naples. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, so three years ago when we closed on the land on the corner of Goodlett Frank Road and First Avenue South, we offered one of our three acres to the um, to the city. And it's taken us three years for, for them to really be interested in the prospect. But the land itself is worth a few million dollars, and we would like to do our civic duty and actually donate it to the city. Very often, it's cities that are donating to arts organizations, but here we've got a reverse situation, and that's okay. Um, we're also partnering with the Wynn Family Wynn Properties that is um, that owns the land next to ours, who are also going to donate a quarter of an acre so that we can get a really prime location for a wonderful um, parking garage. The city just discovered they did another parking analysis um, study and they've discovered that in fact the current need in that quadrant which is you know includes Baker Park and and um, like I said our our land and also the rest of Naples Square has a need uh, for, of between 450 and 750 spaces currently mm. and so with the building of a parking garage they would immediately add uh, parking of 350 spaces as you know Baker Park is severely underparked and there's just going to be more and more need because theater are catalysts the growth and as soon as that theater opens its our theater opens its doors it's going to be um really attracting more and more vendors Absolutely. retailers and restaurants and things like that um because people on average spend about fifty dollars uh, a person dining and shopping and valley parking and doing whatever they need to do when they go see a, a theatrical performance so we're looking at um we're very excited about the economic impact we're going to create in downtown naples and hopefully breaking land uh, in uh, next year uh, this year, we hope wow. to break ground in April. Outstanding. Well, I uh, just encourage our listeners to go to golfshoreplayhouse.org, get tickets for performance, uh, and also uh, just check out the wonderful things that are happening in, in uh, our new theater, Performing Arts 
uh, complex center in downtown Naples. Kristen Corrigan, founder and producer and artistic director, I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining Thank us. Thank you so much, Beth. It's such a pleasure to hear your voice, and so and so happy to be here. Thank you so much, Kristen. Okay, coming up, we're going to visit with Jared uh, Deterley. He is a R Street Institute opinion contributor. We're going to do that and more right here at the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I could only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on the board, and I hope you'll check out the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Renee Relf. She lives here in the community. She's a businesswoman, very successful, and she was at the rally uh, yesterday, or I guess it was on Wednesday, so we'll have a chance to visit with Renee. Right now we have with us Jarrett Turley. He is an R Street Institute uh, senior fellow uh, uh, Jared, thank you so much for joining us. Jared, are you there? Hello, Jared. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, thank you, Jared. So uh, you wrote a piece. Uh, I guess it's for Bloomberg about the Biden and the booze tariff wars. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, in a, in a nutshell, um, uh, the uh, uh, Trump uh, administration has uh, engaged uh, throughout, really, the course uh, of its time in office in a series of uh, trade disputes with uh, different countries around the world. Uh, started with uh, aluminum tariffs uh, with uh, 
the EU and Canada and Mexico, and then uh, eventually uh, also included some some other tariffs with uh, Europe involving uh, distilled spirits. Uh, originally started actually as an airline dispute, but it uh, spilled into uh, fighting over uh, over liquor. Uh, and 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 so um, what ended up happening is that the European countries uh, uh, put a lot of tariffs on a lot of American whiskeys and uh, different liqueurs, and uh, ended up really. Uh, raising the the price of uh, of drinks for our uh, manufacturers to be able to export, uh, and then uh, also uh, vice versa, it made it harder for our bars and our restaurants here uh, and stores to uh, uh, be able to stock and uh, sell uh, spirits from Europe. So it's uh, really roiled the drinks industry and, uh, and and costed a lot of jobs really for it. So would that be uh, that would be U.S. jobs then? There uh, uh, and and the consequences I, I would suppose is trying to get some fair trade uh, fair trade deals with other countries. But in the process, we have some uh, local. Uh, would it be distributors or producers that are being hurt with us? Yeah, it's really everyone involved in the U.S. alcohol market. I mean, producers uh, bear the brunt probably most. Uh, there's actually a couple of. Um, you know, it sounds like you know importing uh, your your goods from or exporting them from here over to a place like Europe would be something that only the really large companies would do. But a lot of American craft uh, distillers have really gotten into exporting into Europe and having their spirits stocked at uh, craft uh, bars over there. And uh, a lot of them have totally seen that uh, whole market dry up uh, in the last couple of years, and that's you know, meant that they couldn't really expand uh, very well and couldn't therefore create kind of the jobs that they were hoping to create in their own, uh, in their mm-hmm. own shops. And, and it's been, you know, particularly painful now that uh, we've been, you know, going on a year dealing with the uh, COVID-19 virus. Um, that, that has also just been extremely uh, hard, uh, especially on the, on the drinks community, just sure. because so many of those businesses are based on having people come to the distillery or the brewery and uh, trying those uh, products, and uh, that that that's all dried up. Absolutely, that's so interesting. So, uh, and is it only Europe that uh, we have this trade war going on with uh, with the booze, or is it uh, other countries as well? Yeah, well, it's primarily Europe with the uh, liquor and, uh, and and wine, um, and you know that's that's probably the biggest export uh-huh. market uh, um, for some of the high end spirits and craft uh, uh, spirits that we have. But as I said, it also is involved. Uh, a series of, of disputes over aluminum. Aluminum might seem like it has nothing to do with alcohol, but you have to remember that beer cans um, and oh, uh, hard seltzer cans are made predominantly with uh, aluminum. Uh, and therefore, you know, when the cost of aluminum, when it's more costs more money to import aluminum into the uh, U.S. for aluminum manufacturers, that raises the uh, the cost of uh, of beer ultimately. So it's uh, it, it's funny. It's ended impacted the industry in a lot of different ways and from a lot of different parts of the globe. So interesting. So uh, you, you'd mentioned now this is in Biden's hands. So what's the solution? What what has to happen in order to end this uh, what devastating uh, 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 ob- objection or uh, obstruction for the uh, booze industry? Yeah, well, I think that uh, ultimately there needs to be some kind of a, a de-escalation and, and uh, agreement uh, between U.S. and the uh, and the EU in particular uh, regarding the the spirit wars. Those have been kind of the most heated, at least recently. Here, uh, it's hard to get a, a full read on what uh, the, the Biden administration will do with tariffs. Uh, Biden himself's been fairly cryptic about it. He said that he's going to keep some of the ones involving China in place, but there's also been some optimism, you know, in, in other quarters that he may 
relook at stuff eventually. The, the problem is, is that, that there's still, um, you know, as, as the ramp up to the new administration, ha you know, happens, there's still a lot of decisions being made, and there's still been retaliatory tariffs that have, you know, even since he's won, that have still been implemented by Europe on U.S. goods. Uh -huh. So it, it's kind of one of those things where um, each time it happens, it escalates more. And so I think there needs to be some effort to try to kind of uh, get both sides to temporarily stand down uh, and figure out a, a path kind of out of this, uh, yeah, this never-ending escalation. You know, my, my opinion, and probably uninformed, but I do my best, is that there will probably be some sort of de-escalation, that business with China will open up more, other countries. And it, it may not be good for us long-term, but in terms of the markets, and uh, in some ways it could be uh, help uh, financial markets in, in, at a minimum. Sure. Yeah, and I think especially you know for just looking at it from the in the drinks world, it would be helpful uh, just given the losses they've they've taken uh, in in the COVID nineteen era. I mean, it's been uh, as I said particularly hard for them. So I think kind of any any sort of relief right now they would uh, they would welcome. Yeah. Well, you know, in, in perspective, to, in the context, it's been tough for everybody. <laughs> it's I just I visited with a theater. A founder, yes, a professional yep. theater, and things have been just really tough. So it's, I would say, it's probably part tariffs, and think, but it's also the fact that just the business has morphed because of COVID nineteen. Yeah, it has. I mean, really, I mean, part of the the solution is, is too looking at state and local levels here when it comes to uh, these alcohol producers. Uh, it's not just a, a federal issue, and, and we've seen that all across the country with you know things like uh, to go and delivery alcohol and, and relooking at some of those laws and trying to deregulate in that sphere as well to create more access to market for these goods you know a lot of places you can't it's against the law to deliver or ship to someone's door right. uh, a bottle of bourbon for example but you know we get every other product under the sun uh, delivered to our door we're used uh, that's, to that that's a great uh, you know, point. pharmaceutical drugs like all different kinds of things uh but but alcohol has been sidelined from that for you know really since prohibition in some areas and so uh, i think that that's a, another really important piece of it it really is uh, Jim, I, I failed to ask you before we started the interview again the column is give me liberty and give me a drink <laughs> which i think is really clever but uh, jared is again a senior fellow at the r street institute can you tell us what the r street institute's all about yeah, we're a, a free market uh, think tank located in Washington, uh, D.C., but we have uh, people and offices all over the country. We do a lot of state level work as well, and we uh, just try to advance kind of market solutions to problems um, and, and kind of uh, bring a usually a deregulatory lens to things and mm -hmm. try to figure out, you know, where there's too many rules or uh, silly rules that aren't, aren't doing a good job of accomplishing what they're trying to accomplish and, yeah. and try to figure out how to reform them. So that, that's kind of our ethos and, uh, and what we do. We do a lot of research and uh, commentary based around that. Well, I uh, certainly support your efforts. What's the website? Uh, yes, yeah, uh, rstreet.org is our website. It's simple enough. rstreet.org. Jarrett uh, Deterley, also a uh, senior fellow at the R Street Institute. I genuinely appreciate this commentary. It's been so interesting. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Renee Relf. Uh, Renee uh, was down at the uh, rally in Washington, D.C. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you 
have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I just to do a little shout out to uh, Lula B's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. They do a great job and great support for uh, St. Matthew's House. Lula B's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center for lunch or breakfast. We have with us Renee Relf. Gosh, I haven't talked to Renee for such a long time. I used to have you on the show a couple many years ago. And, Many uh, years ago. <laughs> it has been. But anyhow, it's so great to have you back. And you were at the Women for America First Rally. Just really looking forward to getting your observations and thoughts of what happened there and uh, you know what, what your commentary might be about that. Well, ha- again, Happy New Year, Bob, and thank yeah. you for having me on. Sure. Just to, to give you um, a, a Neapolitan's perspective on uh, what it was like to be there. I am, you know me, I am not uh, politically driven, I'm not um, an activist in any way, shape, or form, and I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, yeah. but I went out to see my children and grandchildren for Christmas, and they've been locked up in Colorado for, since, since March yeah. in, a, in a sort of stay-at-home order, and I had no intention of going to Washington, D.C., but after I watched the fear and the of my grandchildren to even come out of their house. And for the businesses that had been boarded up and closed up, I just thought, you know, I I have to go, not for me, Mm -hmm. but for my grandchildren, so that the America that that you and I grew up in, the freedoms that we've had, the the liberty that we've enjoyed, is protected. And so my husband and I got in our car. We got a hotel room about a mile from the White House, and we drove the 15 hours, and we arrived on Tuesday, and Bob, I have to tell you the the tapestry and the fabric of the American that that we experienced, both at the hotel, just excited to be um, it, 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 at this historic moment where you know we are standing for the Constitution for the, our our rights as Americans, right. the First Amendment rights, and so you know I, I was overwhelmed. I have to say that many times throughout um, the day. I was brought to tears. Yeah. So we, we got up at four in the morning and we walked down uh, to the ellipse and th- just the enormous amount of people was uh, was overwhelming yeah. to see so many proud Americans. Yeah. And the security was extreme. You couldn't have a backpack. The, the lady in front of us had a selfie stick. You had to throw it away. So wow. Secret Service was there. They had TSA-style uh, wandings and and metal detectors that you had to go through, and they let people in in a very orderly manner. And I 
I have so many pictures and videos because I wasn't sure that the uh, mainstream media was going to show just the enormity of the crowd. Wow. But we had amazing speakers. It opened in prayer. Uh, Rudy Giuliani was there. Um, both of the of Trump's sons spoke. Uh, President Trump addressed the crowd. It was people, it was like a 4th of July parade. People were happy, they were singing, they were proud to be an American. Mm. And um, there was nothing that President Trump said that was inciting. It was just like, we are here, we're fighting for America, right? for our freedoms. A couple comments, Renee. I, I grew up in Washington, D.C., so I said the comments that you're making certainly resonate with me. I actually played baseball in the Ellipse, where you went down to hear the speeches. So mm. It was an amazing place to be, and I, I certainly understand the whole sense and the palpable sense of history uh, there, uh, number one. And number two, I mean, um, it, it is a real shame what happened at the end, but I was had the opportunity to be a moderator of a, a master of ceremonies for a Trump rally. You may recall it happened at the fairgrounds uh, before he was first elected in 2016. And mm -hmm. uh, the sense of joy, the people that are there, they, they, they felt, you know, they saw Trump as offering hope uh, for, for finally having their voices heard, for, for feeling represented uh, in, in, mm -hmm. uh, in the national government. I sense that you probably had the same experience. It was overwhelming, Bob. I'm telling you, I was brought to tears so many times. We saw, you know, parents and, and their grandchildren and, and sons and, and fathers standing together. And it was just such a sense of togetherness, especially mm. after a year of, you know, everything has to be virtual and you can't hug or talk to anybody and you yeah. have to stay six feet apart. It was like freedom. Yeah. Hope had been restored to a people who have been locked up for year you know uh trump and, trump has uh, has acknowledged the, that uh, he's going to have a peaceful transition move on it's going to be president biden but i must say what he's contributed to a sense of belonging a sense of pride he's contributed so much that in our culture i think that's not going to go away quickly and i'm hopeful no, that we'll be able not. to sustain it <laughs> and, and uh, hopefully we'll continue to work to make america great again yeah I, I think the biggest thing for me bob yesterday day before yesterday yesterday day before, um, was the, the hypocrisy. I watched over the summer where cities burned, yeah. where people rioted, they, they looted, they yeah. stole. They, it was just incredible. Yeah. It burned the church down across from the White House. Yeah. And they were allowed to just, just let them feel what they need to feel. Yeah, exactly. The, and I, there's no excuse for what happened. I don't care if it was Antifa, BLM, or Trump supporters. Right. There's no excuse for what happened. Well, but you, the immediacy of the response that, you know, go to your hotel rooms, get off the street, and, and the, the alarms that went off throughout the night, you know, stay in your room, and if you come out, you'll be arrested, was just like oh, being in a communist country. It was wow, like, happened. Wow, that's amazing. So happy you shared all that with us. Well, I can tell you that we're in violent agreement about <laughs> better observations <laughs> about this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Renee, I want to ask you about uh, your business. You have a, net, a social network app, and of course we're seeing it uh, uh, now, a developing disdain for Facebook and Twitter and all these yeah. other So Tell us about Choice Social. Well, it's funny, you know, and, and Bobby, you've known me for a long time. It seems that God always calls me out long before anything is necessary. And I don't know if he's trying to work on my endurance, but I have to tell you, Scott and I have felt like Noah 
seven years ago, we started building an alternative to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram when nobody was looking for one. Mm -hmm. But we were really uh, disturbed by, we didn't even know the censorship was going to become what it was, but we didn't like the ads, algorithms, and the manipulation. And we thought that we were seeing both, you know, with the Cambridge Analytica and all the, just the manipulation. And so we set out to develop the alternative, and our app is, a free social network. It does not have ads or algorithms. We don't collect any data because we don't have anybody to sell it to. We have an alternative uh, platform inside the app where content creators, whether you're a podcaster, an athlete, uh, whoever you are, if you have digital content and you have a fan base that you want to monetize, you can do that inside the app very easily. So if like. Captain Wild Bill from The Deadliest Catch is on the app. And so his fans that want behind-the-scenes exclusive content can get both his free and exclusive content. Wow. So they pay $2 a month. We have speakers, that, uh, you know, marriage counselors that offer it for 20 or $50 a month. They pick the price, and it's just, it's, it's just a, a, an alternative revenue model that never has us beholden to advertisers. That's and so fantastic. it's been great. Um, nobody was looking for an alternative. Everybody was happy on Facebook, but as God has it, he has perfect timing. It never aligns with mine. Um, but now we have censorship that is so, uh, it's so ridiculous right. that, you know, our, our First Amendment, you know, if, it, if you don't agree with what Facebook, you know, Mark Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey say, they will shut you down. Right. I mean, you, we should be up just deleting the Facebook accounts because they have shut down a voice that doesn't agree with theirs indefinitely. President Trump's account is shut down right. on Facebook and Instagram. Twitter turned them off at the most critical time. So, you know, I'm so interested and, in what you're doing here. I mean, this Choice Social, I, I you know, definitely want to look into it, wasn't even aware of it. Uh, how, do we, how, do we, uh, how do we get the app? It's available on your favorite app store. It, if you have a Mac, we also have a desktop version. It's available on the web, and it's available on iTunes and on Apple Play, and it was developed right here in Southwest Florida. So yeah, follow the app. Follow me, Renee Ralph, and um, it's it, it's a little bit more like Instagram. We've added in uh, it's very photo centric, but we've added in a lot of the Facebook features as the um, exodus started to happen with Facebook. Uh, we found that as much as we wanted to have uh, a peaceful stream where it wasn't so much um, ranting and, and arguing, which was sort of the impetus of our start, uh, we have added those features in just so that people are able to, to share their thoughts. The thing that we like about it is there's no forced content. Yeah. So you follow who you want. We say it's your voice, your choice. So if you just want to follow, if I just wanted to follow Bob Harden, I would see nothing but you. We have a chronological feed, so there's no manipulating, trying to fit in ads. Uh, and we just have a lot of wonderful features that, and we have a patent, which is great. So yes, our patent is on uh, the system for publishing digital images in a social media feed, which is awesome. So we have the patent in the U.S. and in Japan. And on Tuesday, we will have our hearing for the patent in the EU. And that is fantastic. And I'm so uh, pleased for you. And I'm listen, I'm very motivated to look into Choice Social. So Thank uh, you. So I, should I go to uh, like uh, DuckDuckGo and to put in Choice Social? I find it. Uh, you can find it anywhere. It's just choicesocial.co. .co. .co. Mm -hmm. So I can actually go right to the website then. You can go to the website. Both of the downloads uh, are available on the website, but you can download it to your iPhone or an Android. It's available on every device. 
Okay, Renee, this has just been a great interview. Great to hear your voice again. I'm uh, just really pleased for the experience that you had in Washington, D.C. I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, and Happy New Year again, Bob. Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you so much. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I learned a lot, and uh, I, if I always appreciate your comments, you can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Hope you'll join us tomorrow. We have, uh, not, not tomorrow, on Monday, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, Larry Reed, the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education, and Jim McTagg, uh, author and former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, will be joining us as well. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com. <laughs>